0: I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style.
1: The virus that causes shingles is sleeping in 99% of people over 50. While not everyone at risk will develop shingles, it strikes as a painful rash that can last for weeks. Wake up because shingles could wake up in you. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles prevention.
0: Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact, whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot. No one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for us citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at rico. dot <laughs> So I was at a party recently, and you're talking, you're socializing, you have a drink, and you're excited to have a drink. Sometimes you're thirsty, you want water, but, like, the drink's there. And to me, a margarita and water feel just as good in the moment. Not quite the next day, but literally in the moment. A frozen margarita is like, I've been on the Star Wars desert for 10 years and it tastes just as good as water, which is why I wake up with a neck ache, a headache, a body ache, because I just don't like water. So when you don't like water and when you do like alcohol, y- you know, it's it's not that great to mix them because you're already a thirsty, dehydrated person, you know, and then you, you drink the alcohol. So anyway, I went to this party recently with this sort of fancy high end caterer and they were serving wine and I was drinking and I wasn't drinking water. And you're talking, and so you're not, you know, you, you kind of are always aware, even at a restaurant, of, like, the, the waiter who, who, who wants to keep filling your glass because they want you to order another bottle of wine, which is sort of a scam to me, where if you go out with your girlfriend's and you order one glass of wine at the bar, they give you one glass, you finish it, you know what you're doing, you could have water in between, you could sip it, you could ice it, you could plug soda it. it's your body, your, your wine, your choice, then you get another one. When you're at a party or a restaurant and they're topping you off, It's fucked for everybody. I'll tell you why. You are not sitting there like with a measuring stick counting what you're doing. So now you drank one glass of wine, you're already a little buzzed. So now you don't have the wherewithal to be talking to the person behind you who's pouring that glass of wine and you're now, you, you, you could drink like five drinks when you normally would drink two in a night and topping off should be banned. Like topping off, you having a part if you're having a party, if you're at a restaurant, if you're on a first date, if you're on a blind date, if you're on an online date. That's how you get into s- serious situations. That's how you're having sex on the first date. That's how you end up in frat houses when you're, you know, 25 years old. Do not allow topping off. It just ruins your next day. If you're over 35, your whole weekend is blown that's on a Friday night so I had a recent experience where a caterer kept topping me off and I knew it but in the moment it was like think the game was moving too fast I was probably in a conversation I didn't want to scold a topper offer and look at the mess it got me in so just let the person know no thank you I just would rather just like finish each glass and then we can have a little discussion and circle back and park that for now because topping off is no good and also expensive makes you order more wine than you need. My guest today is Suzanne Summers. She's an actress, New York Times bestselling author and entrepreneur. America fell in love with her on Three's Company and through her career spanning decades. Beyond that, she's actually in the infomercial Hall of Fame. She has sold more than 10 million thigh Masters. Now her brand includes wellness, makeup, cleaning products, and so much more. She is a force. There is basically nothing she hasn't or can't do. Today, we're talking about why ignorance is sometimes the best business secret and how to turn any negative situation into an opportunity. We have so much in common. You are going to love this one. I certainly did. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Finally. It's so terrific to get to do this with you for so many reasons that you're not aware of, that I'm so in tune with what you've done and so excited for this conversation. Um, so we'll go on this journey and, 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 and see if the preconceived notions
2: I have about you are true. So welcome. Well, thank you. And I admire you too. You know, I love, um, you take an opportunity and then fly with it, like, you know, Housewives of New York. When that first started, there was a lot of, hmm, kind of feeling about it. And you just made that show fly. So you're my kind of girl.
0: I feel that that's what you did out of a cute show. I mean, a cute, successful, innovative
2: show. So you, where did you grow up? I grew up in Northern California, a very middle-class little town called San Bruno. And really all I ever wanted to do was get out of San Bruno. I just, I knew there was something beyond uh, where I was living. It was a very, very um, blue-collar, middle-class uh, my father was the baseball coach and and the town drunk.
0: <laughs> well, how can um someone young in a town like that, when that's all that you know, was it TV, was it movies, was it magazines? What was it that made you think there was a bigger
2: world out there? I, you know, I've I've thought about that because um, nobody had pursued any kind of big dreams in my life. My father um, did. My father. Uh, was all city baseball in San Francisco. And he was a a lightweight fighter and champion and all that. And he was uh, being scouted for the San Francisco Seals, which at that time was the major league baseball team. And then as happened with so many men of that uh, generation, World War II came and they were whisked away. And when they came back, they lost their window of uh, opportunity. And in losing that window of opportunity, he ended up putting cases of beer onto a box car for a living, he must've hated it, must've hated it. And he would come home from work every day because he worked at a brewery, just drunk, and then drink whiskey all night and get shit-faced. And, and um, I loved him as you do when you're a child, but um, it was a miserable existence. And so I had to hide in the closet. In fact, all of us did on the really bad nights. My mother would come round us up and in that voice, get in the closet, get in the closet, get in the closet. And, you know, it's interesting how you take things as normal when that's what you're living with. And we go and all huddled together in this cedar closet we had. We had a, uh, a chest there that my brothers and sister and my mother and I would sit. And at times he'd make his way upstairs and bang on the door looking for us. It was like the monster out there. So what do you do um, when you can't cope when you're a kid? You dream. And I used to uh, dream that I was on a big stage and that I was famous and I was singing. And my mother was in the front row and she was fa- finally proud and happy. I think it was the dream of a little girl who wanted, I wanted to help my mother so badly, but what what can you do? You're you're uh, impotent. Maybe that dream is more potent than we think. I remember giving the commencement um, speech at National University, and I remember saying that the dreams we had as children uh, were us talking to ourselves about the possibility about ourselves. Some of us tune into that and some of us don't. I guess I tuned into that because it came true. Um, many years later, I was starring on the, uh, in Las Vegas on the MGM grand stage, my own show, the Suzanne Summer show with 25 piece orchestra and 12 dancers and 10 costume change. And guess who was in the front row? Wow. There was my mother and she was proud and she was happy. And by then my father had, uh, sobered up. So it's been a journey.
0: That had to be a lot to, to
2: heal and repair. I wrote several books, um, mm-hmm about being the child of the alcoholic and in fact started the adult children of alcoholics movement. What is that? We're the kids who grow up with alcoholics, but we don't drink alcoholically, but something's not right with us, what's wrong? And when I wrote that book, Keeping Secrets, I was stunned at the large audiences. People, adults, starving for clarity. They look seemingly okay, but what is wrong with them? And uh, it was a very potent experience. I lectured, I still lecture on that from time to time, but it's moved on into my other areas of passion.
0: I I relate to that. I relate to that a lot. I grew up in a house where you're walking on eggshells and always walking in on something and complete rage and breaking everything in the house. And you become a person that's sort of just like a little, just a little frayed, a little like manic, a little, you know. And I was talking to my therapist today about this. It just came up because I know somebody personally who has that streak and you meet other people. And my, and I said, this other person, I know that streak and I'm a very strong personality, meaning I'll say what I think to someone, but I might not say what I think to someone who I know has that nasty streak because yeah. you just see it come out and it is my, mo- my mother. I mean, it's my mother, like, you know, just in ra- screaming or something irra- irrational. And she said to me, um, we subconsciously are attracted to those people. Not meaning all my friends are like that, but there are some people that we will be attracted to in our lives that bring that up. And you probably have had that too. There's someone around you that has had something that reminds
2: you of that experience, right? I think we're attracted to that because we're trying to figure out how to get out uh, from underneath it. How to resolve it. When I first met my husband as uh, a um, 20-year-old, he was my second husband, Uh, who I'm still married to, Alan Campbell, Uh, he was quite controlling in the early years, uh, quite controlling. And um, we fought and fought and fought. We fought over his control issues, both of our control issues, because somewhere deep inside me, I no longer want to be controlled ever again. And then, of course, we were blending families and we were the first generations that blended families. That was so difficult. but what I did w- with my husband, what we did with one another, we, we never quite figured out what we were really arguing about until in my therapy session, it came up. We're arguing about a level playing field. I just wanted a level playing field. And we achieved that. And um, we achieved that. I forgave my father fully, fully. You can't mm-hmm. kind of go, you know, oh, it's OK. No, you have to kind of sense. That's why I gave a little backstory on what, what made them that way? And then it's much easier to forgive them. Yes. You put yourself in their shoes and you think, yeah, maybe I would have been the same way.
0: So that's the, that's the definition of compassion, but okay. So you're, you're a little girl and you're trying to come out from something and survive something and be something and prove something. And, um, how did you create your first success. How did you get the Threes Company gig? I wanna know, um, did you f- have a feeling that that was going to be a successful show or this was just getting a paycheck, getting a gig and you're just a young actress?
2: Well, I have to roll back a little bit. I, um, getting pregnant as a teenager, um, first time I ever had sex, if that what? was sex. What? Yeah. At what age? At uh, 18. Wow, and okay. I gave birth one month after my 19th birthday. Uh, at that time remember when girls had to get married and just the fact and more control i'm now married to a really nice guy i mean it really wasn't his fault he should have been getting married at 20 years old and i should have been get, getting married at uh, 18 years old um but i felt ch- trapped and choked and yet i had this baby oh god i fell in love the moment they pulled bruce from my my loins it was just man, that mother's love thing is something so incredible. So I divorced uh, that year and it was a shameful thing. A now I had to, I was the daughter of a town drunk. Um, (laughs) I uh, had to get married. And then I was the first one I knew of to get a divorce. Triple crown. Great start. Great start. Yeah. So I had, I had this thing about me and I, I just had to make a living. I wasn't getting any child support or alimony or anything. And um, I uh, started working extra in movies and like the, uh, I was a, if there's an A, B and a C, a fashion model, I was between B and C, I was too short and busty. And I usually got the standing in front of the Chevrolet or smoking the, Mm -hmm. not not smoking, smoking the cigarette. And um, really, I got Three's Company because I loved Alan Hamill. Why? I, he was living in Los Angeles. The day that I met him, uh, I was 20 years old and it was like in the comic books, just incredible. Um, And we were living in in, in different cities, but he had to come up to San Francisco every week because he was doing one of his series out of KGO TV in San Francisco. And so I read in the trades, don't know where I got the trades, you know, there are no accidents. And it said they're looking for a guest star for the Dom DeLuise show next Tuesday, uh, two o'clock at NBC Burbank. Uh, the description was small town girl doesn't know who she is and doesn't know what she looks like. And I was smart enough to go. That is so me. I don't know who I am. <laughs> I don't know what I look like. I don't know who, anything. So I told Alan because. Uh, I wasn't bluffing. It was the reality. I didn't know I needed an agent. I didn't know anything. When you don't know anything, you can kind of uh, uh, bombard your way in.
0: Well, that's a great note for people because ignorance is bliss. If I ever knew how crowded and competitive the cocktail liquor space was, I wouldn't have even done it. I didn't even, I just had an idea. I walked forward. So sometimes it's not good to know too much.
2: Analysis is paralysis sometimes. I love, I love both of those sayings. Ignorance is bliss is what I was looking for too. So, um, Uh, I said to Alan, I've got this interview at NBC uh, Burbank on Tuesday at two o'clock. And he said, well, great, I'll pick you up at the airport, which is really all I wanted with that great kiss in the car when you haven't seen each other for a week. And Mm -hmm. he drove me over to Burbank again. Ignorance is bliss. The guard says, what are you here for? I said, I'm here for the Dom Delouis show. And I said it with such confidence because I didn't know I needed an agent to set it up or anything. And the guard said, oh, okay. you can park over there. So I park over there or Alan parks over there and I uh, go into where the interview is And there are all these girls there and they look like me only. They're all much much better looking blonde beauties. And I kind of watched what they were doing and they went up to the receptionist and signed in and then the receptionist handed them a script. So I walked over, I signed in, the receptionist handed me a script. Um, Then I was called in to read. And when I finished reading for a guy by the name of Sam Denoff, who eventually I worked on another series with years later, uh, when I finished, he said, very nice. He said, uh, I'm going to, and I thought, well, yeah, of course, I'm a small town girl. I don't know who I am and I don't know what I look like. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to give you a call back. I said, well, thank you. So I go to the receptionist and I said,
0: I've got a call back. That's beginner's luck. I mean, it's not luck, but that's, I mean, I've auditioned in my life. I've never
2: had that experience. That's unbelievable. I i, I think because I so believe that I, the, who they described was me. So right. I just, I just was that person. And so I said to the um, what is a callback?" And she looked at me strange. She said, well, they're going to call you back. I said, when? She said, I don't know. I said, well, like today? She said, oh yeah, today. I said, well, where? And now she's getting irritated with me because I'm her problem. She, the, these words changed my life. She said, I don't know. Why did not you go wait in the commissary? That's what changed my life. So I go over to the commissary. It's now about three o'clock and I'm sitting there all by myself. I didn't buy anything because I didn't have any money. And I'm sitting there alone and over there walks in Johnny Carson. And I stop. thought, oh my God, there's Johnny Carson. And I'm sitting there and I thought, oh my God, Johnny Carson is walking over to me. Oh my, and he walks oh up my to God, him. stop. <laughs> and he says, hey, little lady, what are you doing here? And I said, I have a callback. <laughs> I, I had some lingo, right? He went, oh, <laughs> for what? <laughs> I said, for the Dom Del Wee show. I, oh, he's a good friend of mine. I hope you get it. So, um, I, I didn't have an eight by ten, but I had written a book of poetry. Nineteen. This is all nineteen seventy three, and I got somehow got this book of poetry written. And when you're a, a sad and thoughtful child, you write, you write, you write, you write, you write. That's funny. Do you write more than you read? Um, at the moment, yeah. Although I don't know. I now I read medical books. I've just I devoured them because I, I need to be up on all that. But I'm also passionate about. It. But anyway, um, I just hand johnny carson this book of mine because it had a picture of me on the front that was wednesday 1973 i don't remember the month friday night of that week i made my uh television national television debut on the tonight show (gasps) and i thought oh my god they must have loved my poetry so i didn't own a dress as you can imagine so i went out and i wrote it wrote a bad check for a a dress, it was $75, but when you're, uh, you know, 20 years old, $75 dress looks great on you, and um, I'm standing behind that famous curtain, and I hear Johnny Carson say, well, we've all been wondering who the mysterious blonde in the Thunderbird was, and I thought, oh, it's not the poetry, I only had one credit, I appeared, you know, in a so uh, five second spot in american graffiti he said well we found her and the curtain opened and the audience went "Woo!" i hadn't even seen american graffiti at that time i didn't know that how iconic it became and still is to this day and i went out and nervously giggled and, and answered literally everything he you know he said when you get to town i said today i was like a little kid you know if you talk to a kid on the phone you go what are you doing they go talking on the phone <laughs> he likes me and he started having me on every month to read him poetry. And my little book of poetry became the best-selling book of poetry in America next to Rod McEwen in 1973. Oh, my goodness. On one or many of those times, the president of ABC, Fred Silverman, as he tells me, was watching. And they had cast Chrissy Snow, the part I eventually had on Three's Company, with two different actresses. And they neither of them tested well. And Fred Silverman told me, he said, I got the girl. I see her on The Tonight Show all the time. And so that's how I got called in for Three's Company. No training, had the lead in Guys and Dolls in high school. That was about it. Um, I think what happened on Three's Company is day one, I sat there and I thought, I just got to, I said, I, I I don't even know how I got here. I've never studied acting, but I learned real fast. And I think that pissed everybody off because Joyce had, you know, uh, gone to UCLA and she won all the awards. And John, you know, was highly credentialed and studied. Um, so when the show took off and I kind of emerged along with John as, you know, a, a, what that show was about, because I got it right away. I figured out what it was. Mm-hmm. It created a tension on the set, um, not with John, but with Joyce, if I recall, and I'm, I, I don't like to put words in her mouth, but that's what I picked up. And, um, and I don't blame her. Here I am. No, no, I've never studied anything. And she's, all she's done is study to this day. I'm sure she still takes classes or teaches or whatever. She's technically great.
0: But isn't that a lesson in people going with their instincts? Some it's back to paralysis. I mean, analysis is paralysis, meaning, you know, there are many, trained actors that are very resentful of the whole reality television space because it seems like a free ride but you know i've done shows that are not in reality television and not that they haven't been as good They're, they're it is an art form in and of itself whether respected or not everything now can be creation and that's so interesting what you're saying like it doesn't, there doesn't have to be a guidebook for everything, which can be liberating for people. Hard work is the guidebook, in my opinion. Hard, you definitely were taking it seriously. You were probably on time, knowing all your lines and had your
2: act together, no? I did. And, and, and uh, you know, like you, you um, uh, took, took that reality environment and what you knew what to do and what to do in reality is how do you achieve being yourself?
0: Well, you just said that. You got what it was. So for people at home, it doesn't matter if you're talking about an office or a job or a new product. You got what it was. That's what just jumped off the page. You got what it was. Oh, I understand. I'm not, I'm not stuck in it, like my face so deep into it that I don't understand what it is overthinking it. Because that's how I would be an actress. I would be overthinking it. I would be too, I would be Joyce I would have a difficulty to be just free. But for some reason you were young and ignorance against was bliss. And and like me in the liquor business, you just understood what the gig was and what the energy, and you didn't overthink it, but you took the the brass tacks of it very seriously. And also I'm
2: working with two real genius uh, comic actors. I remember it took me to uh, year two, but the show was already number one. So they were liking what I was doing, but it was all kind of, you know, by the seat of my pants. But by year two, I'm watching John one day and I had Nirvana. I thought, oh, comedy is musical. I am musical. It's set up, set up beat. And then I created, I because I remember thinking, oh, dumb blondes are so unlikable. I created a dumb blonde that was likable and lovable. She had a moral code. She'd never lie. She'd never take away your husband or boyfriend. Uh, she was easily shocked um, and people got who she was. And I gave her a posture, you know, with the so- shoulders up and the the knees in. And when I watched little girls, they're always twiddling their fingers. So Chrissy Snow twiddled her fingers, you know, all the time while she's thinking. And people just started um, anticipating what she was going to do next. When we would do a show on Friday nights, they would laugh before I would say it or do it. And that's when I knew, oh, I, I've i handled this, but then, you know, year one, I, I I don't, I signed on for anything. If you don't want to pay me, you don't have to pay me. But by year six, I, you know, was became aware I'm on the number one show. I have the highest demographics of any woman in television. And the men are making 10 to 15 times more than me. Is it, Are they 10 to 15 times funnier or better than me? And so my contract was up. I had to renegotiate. My husband went in on my behalf, and um, I was waiting at home because uh, there was no cell phones at the time, imagine. And I hear the front door open real slow. That's not a good sign. I hear him coming up the stairs very slowly. Uh, that's not good. I meet him at the landing and he looks at me and he said, you're out. I said, I'm out. He said, you were fired within the first five minutes I was there. He said, they're gonna make an example of you. So no other woman has the audacity to ask to be paid commensurate with the men.
0: Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop, but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her, something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day.
3: Snag a job is where America goes to hire
0: You were on six seasons, and then you were upset. I bet you could have gone back in some way if you put your tail between your legs, but you decided to jump and fly. So I want to hear sort of about that arc, because that's not easy for people when you have a safety net. People on Housewives are making a lot of money now, and I could go back tomorrow. I still choose to separate myself to grow and to not be there, you know, still respecting where I came from. So I want to hear about that arc for you and what that feels like and what that is. And that takes courage.
2: And by the way, your idea for skinny girls, that was just inspired. Um, uh, you know, it's all about having a great idea. I, I wanted to go back to, I didn't want to be fired. I was devastated. Right. But they slammed that door. And then like with mom fury, that the whole cast and crew and everybody involved with that show uh turned on me and shunned me I remember walking down Rodeo Avenue one day and the wardrobe guy who we worked out the Chrissy snow look you know with the ponytails and the short shorts and the suspenders and the knee socks and all that we had so much fun doing that he saw me turn the other way and cross the street I'm thinking wow so I don't know what the producers told um the cast and crew but man did they um work against me, I the the producer, because when I came in, it was Nichols, Ross and West, Mickey Ross, um, interesting, uh, he kind of looks like my husband looks today. His hair was kind of silver and curly, that great way that men's hair gets and he's tan and thin and got muscles and all that. Uh, Mickey wasn't anything like that, but reminds me of it. And uh, he became, when I said, I don't know what I'm doing, he took me under his wing. I remember watching the Olympics when year, Nadia Comaneci and her coach. And she wouldn't do anything without looking at him first. She'd go flip and turn and do. And then she turned to look at him and he'd be sitting and he'd go like this. And so Mookie Ross would do that with me. He would, you know, I do a scene. I, I then I'd look to him and he'd go like this or he'd go thumbs up. Mm-hmm. One day after I heard, you know, oh, this is music. Uh, I didn't need him anymore. It made him so angry with me. And then I married Alan Hamill. And what I realized in retrospect, because it was Alan Hamill negotiating with this guy over my contract. This guy had fallen in love with me the way a father desires his daughter, but knows it's wrong. He he didn't come on to me. But in retrospect, if I think about how he was with me. Controlling, back to the control. Yeah, exactly. It was, there There you go. And I fell right into it. So um, that's why... I couldn't go back. It was because it was ego. Egos ruin the best deals, as you know, and everybody's egos were out of whack. Uh, In fact, I was cleaning out a drawer yesterday because I'm moving from my house of 45 years, and I found a letter that I wrote to John after that of why, what John, you and I, and we it was so great, and we 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 were the the greatest sparring team. It was like a ping pong ball game. Mm -hmm. He'd bang it across the table, and I'd bang it back. And what happened, and why? Uh, But but, and it, I didn't think about it until yesterday, Newsweek, remember when Newsweek was the biggest magazine in the country, out uh, weekly, um, came to put Three's Company on the cover. And the producers, who were just jerks, they should have just been open with everybody. We all go down there and they want me and my little Chrissy Teddy, which I still have, by the way, one of the things I did take. Um, he, the photographer sets us up uh, and he keeps putting me in the middle and kind of in the highest spot in the middle. And I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I can tell the other two are getting angry. And I'm, you know, uh, so I'd move to the side and let Joyce be in the middle. The photographer would take a couple of pictures. Okay, Joyce, you go down here Sudan and Sudan get in the middle. Wow. And I'd then do it with John, put John in the middle. And what well, comes out, the magazine comes out. At that time, it was the highest selling cover of Newsweek. Mm-hmm. I was wearing the, this little blue teddy. Uh, with the strap hanging off and John was biting one shoulder and Joyce was kind of down at my hip and it was clearly I was center stage. People were never quite the same after that. So that when I then got uppity and asked to be paid, you know, commensurate with the men, albeit my contract was up, I had to renegotiate. I think it was easy for everyone to fall in Anger with me. Joyce had been angry all along. Or how dare you? I'm all. I've, I've got all the credentials. Oh my goodness. You don't. Know, and John. And I'm supposed to be the star of the show. And, I'm, and i And what I said in the letter yesterday that I was reading. That is what 35 years old. I keep stuff. Um, th- there was room. Stardom. There's a room for everybody with stardom because you're only a star if you're completely unique. So I don't know. Something went terribly wrong. None of them ever talked to me again. One month before John Ritter died, I'm at the beauty salon and I'm in the shampoo bowl and the receptionist comes over. And she says, you have a phone call. And I said, thank you. Can you take a message? She said, well, it's John Ritter. Huh? So I go to the phone with my dripping head and um, I said, John. And he said, hey, babe, I forgive you. So I had a moment of, whoa, whoa, you forgive me. And then I thought, right. put on your big girl pants, Suzanne. So I said, thank you. So what he was calling about was he was doing that TV series, Eight Simple Rules. And he said, we have a scene we want to do. It's a night. I'm having a nightmare. And in my nightmare, you and Joyce appear. And I said, you know, there's been a longing for the two of us to reunite. I don't think that longing really encompasses that I'm your nightmare. Right. (laughs) Right. I said, but I would love. To work with you again. Why don't we find a project? And, he, and we talked for a while and he said, yeah. And then a month later he died. So I did have resolution with him.
0: First of all, placating to people that are jealous of you and trying to eat, level the playing field, which you said in a different way though, Yeah, it doesn't you, now you're spending your energy trying to, like, water yourself down and dumb yourself down to what's going on. You, we're not always going to get the chance to be successful at things. I've failed at more things than I've succeeded at. But it's very uncomfortable to work when you're aware that the elephant in the room is people are envious of you. And then you are also aware that when you left, the secret sauce was missing. And so are they. That drives them crazy even more. I left. The ratings went down a lot. They begged me back. Then the cast wanted me back. We've been through similar things. So I would say advice is probably like for people just to, you have to play your own game and just be a good person, but you can't control what other people are thinking and doing,
2: especially when you're thriving. You are uh, extremely astute. The secret sauce. I've never thought of it that way, but that is, it, it messed up the recipe. 100%.
0: I watched it and I watched the other pretty, cute, dumb blonde come in and it just wasn't the same. She was lovely it just was what it was, but that was your moment in time. And had you focused more on everybody else being jealous and making them feel better, you probably wouldn't have succeeded. So then nobody's going to do well. So if you're at work and you're thriving, be a team player, be kind to other
2: people, but run your own race. And Alan and I uh, were such a strong team and he ha- he's such a visionary. And he always sees everything many years down the road. I remember when I opened in Vegas and I had all the, you know, the 25 piece orchestra and the the 12 dancers in the 10 costume change. And it was such a success. I remember one night I came off stage and he said, I see a time when it'll just be you out there by yourself. And I thought, "Not when, and why? And now I mainly go out solo by myself.
0: Well, your whole career seems like a solo act for sure. Yeah. I,
2: if I'm doing my nightclub act, like I had a residency in Vegas two years ago and I loved it at the Westgate. I had um, my uh, piano, drums, bass, um, uh, two horns and um, incredible sound and lights and, and a 750 seat room, nice intimate room. I loved, loved it. But I remember when I being out there thinking, here I am all by myself, just as Alan always said. But in the Threes Company days, I slash we saw Threes Company as a business bonanza. And I went to the producers and I said, you know, Chrissy Snow should be a Saturday morning animated cartoon. Wow. And then I went another time, I said, You know, Chrissy Snow wears these distinct clothes. We should do a line of clothing. Oh, wow. Is right. Wow. So I'm, I'm an entrepreneur like you. And I remember this guy, Nikki Ross, got screamed at me. He said, This is not about business. It's about the show. And I thought, It was called show business. And so it's interesting after I got fired and I, I um, became a Vegas headliner. Um, I started writing books during the day because I had nothing to do during the day. And then this woman presented us with a device and it was called a V-toner. And Ellen and I are looking at this device as she's describing for your upper body and for your pectorals and shoulders and everything. And I said, would that work on the inner thighs? And she said, Oh yeah, she said. But it's uh, you know people are more concerned about their shoulders. I said, not women. Women don't like those jiggly thighs. So we decided to we named it the Thigh Master. and We decided to run with it. So one night I'm in my dressing room, and I bought a pair of I'm sure you have too those Manolo Blahnik shoes. Perfect, they're just nude, perfect pointy toe, the perfect toe cleavage, the right arch, the perfect size heel, and they make your legs look amazing. So, but they're what, at that time, $565. And I'm in my dressing room, I thought, oh God, Alan's gonna think I'm so stupid for spending almost 600 bucks on a pair of shoes. So I walk out of my dressing room with my bra and underpants and I said, do you like my new shoes? <laughs> and he looks me up and down, he has this great radio voice and goes, great legs. And I said, that's the commercial. And that became the commercial. The commercial uh, that sold 10 million thigh-mounters masters and masters in counting. Um started on those shoes, so I was able to, uh, you know, write them off, go up my leg, I wore a blue leotard, and I had the red, red and blue master, and gave the little pitch, and it was the, at a time when people weren't doing commercials, celebrities weren't doing commercials, um, Late night talk shows were doing thigh master jokes. I mean, David Letterman was doing thigh master jokes uh, for a while. Carson was doing thigh master jokes, and late Jay Leno was doing thigh master jokes. And at the momentum just kept, kept. You know, you have the right name. It's like it's like skinny. Wow. When you get the right name, it, it catches the imagination of the public. So we have so
0: much in common. I've never, I've never interviewed someone that I that I can like find something that is a connective. Piece where when I came out with the cocktail as a woman, publicists used to say when you were taking pictures, put your cocktail down. You can't be holding a cocktail in a picture. Now every single celebrity is holding a cocktail. So you, you know, the Foreman Grill was after you, I assume? Yes.
2: Yes, yeah.
0: Okay, so that was revolutionary. I mean, you know, there were those, like, infomercials, but it wasn't people that we knew of from TV. So was that... So, I now know that you're entertaining and you're Vegas, and your shows are your more your passion, and you being a woman is where all of that sort of medical knowledge comes from and that experience. But it feels like you really are absolutely an entrepreneur at heart. And was that your biggest financial hit by far?
2: Well when you're an entrepreneur, as you know, you hope for a thigh master. I've got another I've got a hit right now. If you listen. If you listen to the language of the people, they tell you what they want. And I have these Facebook live shows and um, all I kept hearing is I'm bloated and I'm constipated and I'm dog tired and I, I my hair is stringy and my skin doesn't look good. And it was clear because I had I had written a book called Toxic about what all the toxins are doing to our GI tracts. And I, then I wrote the next book followed that theme. And um, so we created a product called Gut Renew. It's got everything in it that you you didn't have today or I didn't have today. And for lack of a better description, all the different things that are in it, all from nature, work like spackle on those holes in the GI tract and kind of seal up the leaks. There are recipes on there, but you can can even put it with water. I have it with, uh, my favorite one is um, frozen banana, Um, a spoonful of 70% chocolate, um, some organic yogurt, coconut milk, and chocolate almond milk, and two spoons of this. And you whip it all together. And it's so easy to get all your vitamins down that way because it's thick, but it's tasty and and good for you.
0: It's amazing. It's amazing. I love that. I went to school for food and healing. I'm a natural food chef. So I love all of this. And I love that you care about all this and that you're so uh, health focused, but in a balanced Realistic way. Again, I remember the Suzanne, you had the Suzanne Summers diet, which was like a more modern, healthy version of the Atkins diet where people were just like eating their weight in steak and bacon. And it was crazy steak bacon and cheese which was not healthy at all and then you came out in a more reasonable way about food combining. Yeah,
2: high fat, high vegetable, high protein. But good fat.
0: Yeah, including butter as long as it's organic. Right. Yeah, I remember it, it was great. I remember that. I, yeah, I've been following you for years without even sort of I forgot that I was would try that diet. Yeah. Keeping your cards close to the vest seems like it's been something that you've definitely done in your career. And I think that that's important for people, meaning you weren't telling everybody your whole plan. You just were sort of keeping your head down, Uh, not only in your character, Chrissy, but uh, (laughs) as a professional. Do you um, consider, what percentage do you consider yourself lucky and what percentage smart? I think
2: anyone who hits it as an entrepreneur uh, or a star in a television series, it's right time, right place, right look. And luck. Luck always plays it. There are a lot of people, you know, who've got everything going for themselves who've never had that luck. But it's not that I didn't pursue it, like you you've pursued yours, you know. Um uh I'm I'm struck by how astute you are. The that you're you've got, what are you like, 50 years old? Yes, I just turned 50. Um, you've got perspective of someone more my age. Um, yeah. Uh, it takes a long time to get that perspective, to be able to look down on things like, ah, yeah, I've been there, and that I know, yes, 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 and figure out how it worked in the whole scheme of things.
0: Well, I had a crazy life, too. I was literally, and I was going into nightclubs in New, when I was 13 years old, like literally, and going into New York City. Wow. Yes, yeah, so at 14. I kind of had a crazy stuff going on in my house, and I was five, six, and seven, and like... You know, I'd be calling the cops, and it's interesting. This show is the best thing I've ever done. I love it so much because I get to have a conversation like this. And my fiance this morning, I was like, I'm talking to Suzanne Summers today, and he's like, I love the variety of people because it's unpredictable. I literally could have Hillary Clinton, you, and then someone that is running Comcast that no one's ever heard of, but I find their story interesting because it's about being an entrepreneur and how to break through in a corporate environment. So to be able to speak to people like you and also to talk to this audience a little bit about me through you, like uh, through the guest, I get to explain a little bit of what I've been through. I'm never really talking about myself. It's more about like connecting to you and then then, then them getting a little information
2: about me. Um, and relationships- let me, let me say one thing. Sorry. Um, I've been very aware of you for a long time, but today's the day I, I got, I get you. I get you. I <laughs> totally you. get who you are. And, um, I'm really, really pleased to meet you. Well, me
0: too. Say likewise. I, that's, and that's been an amazing gift for me, just meeting some fascinating people and being like wow, we just we just turn their whole career into some anecdotal thing. And then you that's what the show's about. Hearing like the, the blood, sweat and tears, the hard work, the simplicity of why you're successful, even though it's it's not that complicated. It's just these tools that other people can have for themselves and make their own toolbox.
2: Don't you find in the careers that we have, they're cyclical. They're high, they're low, they're high, they're low. You learn the most about yourself and where you want to go next in, during the low times, right? Yes. But most people spend those low times feeling sorry for themselves. Yes. I, I use it as prep time. Because I always know it's going to go up again, but I don't know about you, but I can feel when it's going to start to dip. And now... I'm not dipping so much anymore. When I feel that slide, I think I've gone as far as I can go to this one. I turn to the right or to the left and reinvent. Don't you?
0: Crazy. I call it the wolves. Like, you know, you don't want to get too high in your own supply. Things are going too well. It's not that you're negative, but it's like, please don't everybody think I'm so great or I'm doing things that are so great. Like I want it to quiet down a little. And then the wolves come. And, but that's when the muscle was weak and you need to learn how to be fit. And that's when you're like, okay, let me hold this steering wheel. Not too tight where I can't, move and not too loose where I let go let me steer the car and that's when you learn that's what you were just describing like and so now you're right you could sort of feel it they're not big jerky motions you're just kind of riding a difficult highway I could not that's a that was like beyond exact and I've been on the verge of cancellation and I've had crazy things happen and during the um During the pandemic with us trying to get PPE, uh, you know, being over my skis with millions of dollars and people trying to scam us and, you know, really having to like kick in, you're dealing with governments, dealing with Governor Cuomo, and you're like, I'm in the big leagues now, I cannot screw up. That's when you really find out what you're made of, you know? So I love that you just said that.
2: You have uh, gotten yourself into a position that I've gotten myself in, uh, albeit in a different arena. You now know you can call anybody. (gasps) up. you're like my soulmate. This is so weird. I always say that because you don't always
0: need all the agents. You, if you want to get him, you want to do something on Netflix. You would probably call Ted Sarandos. He may not know you, but he knows who you are. He'll take your call. I sat next to him at
2: a dinner party uh, several years ago, and I didn't know who he was, and he wasn't introduced to me. But he's my dinner partner. And I said, "What do you do?" He said, "I'm with Netflix." And I went, "Oh, I'm glad. I can't get mine to work." (laughs) And I and I so I've got Ted Sarando saying, "Well, you got to get the box to do the stuff." I didn't know he owned Netflix. Um, What is your uh, your rose
0: and your thorn of your career? Not your life of your. I have only two more questions, but one is rose and Mother's Day is May twelfth, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop, but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and samsung smart tv the frame head on over to macy's.com slash gift for the perfect inspiration for mother's day
3: snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over six million active hourly workers snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand Tempt to hire part-time or full-time you name the position
2: Of your career, the rose. Um, the rose is always on stage. The last time I was on stage here, right before the pandemic, there's a great theater down here in the desert called the McCallum, and there's a Leon Russell song that I sing, and I sing it to my husband, although I don't say that to the audience. And I talk about lyrics as poetry, and that Leon Russell has written some of the most beautiful songs. The song that I sing is uh, a song for you. I've been so many places in my life and time, and I've sung a lot of songs. I've made some bad rhyme. I've acted out my life on stages with 10,000 people watching, but we're alone, and I'm singing this song for you. I don't know. I was on stage, and you could not hear a pin drop. It's the most quiet experience I've ever experienced personally in a theater because I think setting it up I said you'll all hear something different in these lyrics it means something different to all of us and I could tell they all went within and when I finished there was a silent pause and then all of a sudden everyone stood up and gave me a standing ovation so that's my role that was my favorite moment Ah. on stage
0: so the so it sounds like you have a tremendous. I talk a lot about, quote unquote, successful relationships, meaning successful relationships between successful people. And so before I was going to ask if you've worked on it, but from all the people that have been on here, I've gotten different pieces of advice on relationships from give them a long leash to let them, you know, be who they are. I'm who I am. We have date nights. We don't do this. We don't expect for it to be We don't care what other people think or what optics are. So what would you say about having a quote-unquote
2: successful relationship? I've been with him now for 54 years. I am in love, in love. I I wonder how many times we tell each other we love each other throughout the day. We sleep wrapped in one another's arms. Um, I had a terrible accident this year. I I, uh, broke my neck and my spine and my hip. And he took care of me. In the most tender, loving way, he lifted me. He did everything for me for months because I was, they had said, you need to get a, have her stay in some assistant living or get her live-in nurse. And Alan said, I'm the nurse. I'm the nurse. Wow. So uh, I've always loved Alan, but I'm more in love. He, he, uh, I know he adores me and I adore him. And I love feeding him. I'm a real good cook, so I cook great meals for him. And um, I, I there's no one I would rather be with. You think as you get older, um, you know, it's uh, you, you don't give to get, but when you give, you get. Mm-hmm. And so these Facebook live shows that I do during the week, three, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and uh, Alan, you know, the the new home studios, it's like, it's me and Alan. And and then my daughter-in-law, who's the president of our company, she's on speakerphone, but he comes over and he gets on camera and the women love him and he's kind of a bad boy. And he never says what you're supposed to say. He always says what uh, he wants to say. He, He just doesn't BS and he's never going to BS And oh, They just wish they had someone like him. But what I, what I get out of these shows, besides I get to teach, I get to tell them about hormones. I get to talk about my organic skincare line and how important I think it is not to put chemicals on your skin or in your body at all and but what they see is this relationship i realize i touch his face all the time and we say nice things to one another and he leans in and it, uh, he he jokingly is always snipping my hair kind of a take on biden <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. that's funny that's
2: putting good out in the world isn't it
0: Well, it is, but has it always been like that? Has it grown? Have you, oh, that's what I, I think that's what people need to hear that you haven't been madly in love for 50 years, like, like a fairy tale that you took work, that you've either been through therapy, that you didn't, you took them for granted or vice versa. Like, you know, or unless it was just a love affair from day one, and then we all can go seal the windows and turn on the gas, but whatever, (laughs) whatever it is. (laughs)
2: It was honestly, it was love at first sight. I told my mother I met the man I'm going to marry. It took 10 years before we got married. They were uh, they were the sexiest, most romantic, most tumultuous 10 years. And then in the last of those few years where we started bringing the families together, his two children with my son, uh, man, there's no kid who wants a new parent. I don't care how nice you are. They don't want a new parent. So my son was resenting him because my son was used to getting all his attention from got me it. Mm-hmm. and vice versa. And so that's when we fought because you, you feel protective of your own kid and yeah. you know, you're not understanding him and well, you're not understanding my kids. It wasn't until we actually got married that they finally realized that we we're, were a united front, that they weren't going to break us up. And then we worked real hard on becoming a real family and achieved it. So it was a lot of work.
0: It's a process. That blending, that is a
2: process. It's something to get through and it
0: doesn't last forever. You've been together 50 years. That was literally probably, what, seven to 10 years of your life?
2: Yeah. And usually if, usually most people don't make it through that. Because right. nobody knew what they were doing. We should have all been in therapy. And eventually, one of my, my stepdaughter uh, had a drug problem and she had to be in the care unit And as a part of the care unit, the whole family has to check in for a week. And that was a very valuable family week where everybody got to have their moment in front of a neutral arbitrator across from uh, whoever they were having the issues with and say exactly what they felt. Nobody's feelings were hurt because the therapist would go, well, now you have to hear what he's saying. Listen and listen to the tone. Look at his body language. I firmly believe that all negatives are opportunities if you choose to look at it that way. You can either say, poor me, why me? Or you can look at it and say, how can I use this to grow spiritually and emotionally? You know, because it's not the problems in your life that define who you are. It's how you respond to the problems in your life that define who you are as a person. And I learned to sell my problems. I realized I'm not unique. You and I have the same problems. So many people out there, men and women, And so when you have gotten on the other side of your issue, if you have a louder voice like you do and I do, and you can share, you know, what it was like, what it became and what it's like now, and now I'm experiencing bliss, they want what you have. And it makes going through the experience worthwhile, not only for yourself, but for those who uh, learn and grow from it.
0: 100%. Wow. That is an amazing place to stop, I could talk to you for, this is now you've broken my record. I think you and Kelly Ripa <laughs> I've spoken to for the longest because it just it was such an easy conversation, such an amazing, beautiful discussion. Thank you so much. Okay, say goodbye, Al.
1: Goodbye, Al.
0: Bye, Al. <laughs> have a good day. I might have a new favorite interview. Um, and my fiance Paul was saying to me today, I love the variety of people you have on, like it's, it's, it's so specific and intentional, but it could almost seem haphazard because, you know, having Dana White, the founder of the UFC, and then, you know, we booked Cameron Diaz in a couple of weeks or, um, Dave Portnoy, it it almost seems random, but it's not, it's specific. And I see something about myself in each of these people. I think the most, uh, in Suzanne Summers, that was, crazy and unreal what a fascinating woman what a journey she's so real she's so honest she's just real someone who's had such a long career in the entertainment industry I just loved it so thank you for listening remember to rate review and subscribe that was my rose that was amazing
4: information.